Welcome to the Olive Tree Church podcast channel. Whether you are listening in from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust you feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Hey guys, it's so good to be with you again. And uh, we're going to be finishing our series on hope today. So this is the end of hope. And uh, I'm joking, it's probably it's too soon. Uh, there's lots of reasons to have hope, but we can't speak about hope forever. And uh, we're closing out our series today. And I'm so fortunate and I suppose grateful that I get to do that and be with you to have that conversation. And really what I want to speak about today is what happens uh, when it just feels like your world's shaking. And uh, how do you make sense of that? Where's God in those seasons? And how do you have hope in those seasons when it feels like hope is lost? And I want to start by telling you a bit of a personal story about a season in my life when we, I really went through a, a severe shaking and as a family we did, um, and how God used that in our story. Uh, it's a bit of an intense story, but don't worry, we, we're not going to sit there for the whole sermon. We just want to set this up because I want to be able to, you to see yourself in my story and, and understand that we all go through these things. So for me, the, the most severe time of shaking that I went, to, went through up to that stage is when I was 16 years old. And I just um, remember this uh, season where it felt like myself and our whole family were just being pressed and squeezed. Um, my parents had been in uh, ministry for 10 years. In fact, they worked full-time jobs for 10 years and led a church. And uh, that is a, a, quite an undertaking. And if that wasn't enough, they were also um, ministering cross-culturally and cross-racially uh, during the end of apartheid and the dawn into a new democracy. And you've got to understand that when you the only white family in a colored church, um, one, it's an amazing privilege. I got to see stuff as a kid, which most people just never get to see. But there's also some challenges and some strains on us. And, and all of those things uh, culminated to the point where my dad just had burnout um, and really couldn't sustain that lifestyle anymore. And I remember for the first time, uh, we left the colored church, first time in 10 years, and I went back to a white church. This was a big deal for me because um, I had been at a church where A, people had rhythm, um, mostly, um, and B, like, because like I knew that, like, even as like a six or seven year old, when I was in church, all of a sudden, and there were kids who had incredible rhythm in their three-piece white suits. It's a true story. Um, and I was just like, uh, realized that I didn't get that uh, gene. But I just found white church so safe, so boring. And it wasn't my culture. And people looked at me and said, this is your culture, but it wasn't. And so I went through a real identity shift and uh, my identity was challenged. I didn't quite know where I was at. And it just felt like the things of my life, the, the, the fact of who God was in our family, that he sustained us, that... Um, my, we were a family in ministry, that my dad was a strength to our family. All of these things started to shake. And personally, I went through a massive um, questioning and doubt. Where's God and how does this work? And, and how do I fit in this world? And it, it was really deeply, I suppose, caused deep turmoil in my life. And every single one of us will go through these seasons where it just feels like we go through seasons of turmoil. The things that made us feel solid, that made us feel safe are gone. Uh, we relied on them. We didn't even realize how much we relied on them, but they're under threat and, and that we just feel like they've been pulled away from us. And I don't know about you, but in the last 
few months, it feels like that's happened to the entire world. We've gone through something which in our lifetime, maybe forever, uh, the world's never gone through again, and we don't really know where it's going to end up. Um, the, the onset, I think, of a changing world is deeply um, troubling for a lot of us. And it's not just the corona thing. It's not just the world economy that is going into depression. There's uh, some other stuff going on. There's a small tiff that's happening between America and Australia and a small country of 1.6 billion people called China that also produces all our goods in the world. And that's the problem, like when you start to pick a fight with a nation of 1.6 billion people and a little bit of an authoritarian, autocratic Government. Uh, then there's some next level conversations about uh, race and inequality happening, and there's a lot of emotion happening, and we're seeing unrest and uh, even public violence. And some of that, the conversation is really good and really necessary, and other parts of the conversation are, are quite difficult to navigate. I mean, it's all difficult to navigate um, and, and painful, and maybe even. Unhelpful, and all of this has been thrown at us at once. And here are, are small Durbanites going, "How do we fit in all of this, and and how do we make sense of this stuff?" And that's quite serious. But I think even at like the most basic level, for a lot of us, some of the comforts that we've got have been taken away. Uh, we couldn't go into the ocean uh, for a long time. And I, as a spear fisherman, uh, I was allowed back in the ocean this week. So I'm sorry, surfers, you have to still break the law, but we're legal spear fishermen. Who ever thought that spear fishermen would be uh, more uh, clean cut and law abiding people than surfers? No one, because uh, generally, we, anyway. Um, and so that's part of it. And then even at the most basic level, like we can't even, well, we haven't been able to get haircuts cuts for 10 weeks. And this can be the result of that. I mean, some men have taken just to shaving their head and so like the convict look is really back and uh, apparently, and they've got scraggly beards normally and a shaved head. And some men have just left everything just to grow. And so for a lot of ladies, they're in this unnerving situation where they're going to bed and waking up next to a Sasquatch every single day. Um, and that's scary, especially because now it's winter, right? And so uh, you're waking up and it's still pretty dark and then you look over and ha! Every morning, surprise! Um, it's a, yeah, it's, it is hectic for some ladies. And then I, I like, well, let me go halfway, like, you know, what's up here? This is under lockdown, but this, free. Uh, and what happened is my wife, every time she came to bed in the evening, she, she thought she was going to get a speeding fine because speed cop. And that's a problem for your marriage. And so what I did is I thought, well, let me add a bit of a vibe. And, and I went for this little curl up thing. And I, what I was really going for was Don Juan. But uh, what happened instead is people just started calling me Pedro. And so, you know, like, well, it's tough times, right? You just got to take what you can get. Uh, so Pedro is fine. I can roll with that. Um, but at so many levels, like the simple comforts of even having friends, even having family, people that we can connect with, our support circle, it just feels like it's been taken away from us. And now when I actually miss a part of level four lockdown, because I used to be able to go for a run between six and nine, but it wasn't a run. It was a coffee run, which means I would basically, we live close to Florida Road, so we'd walk, my wife and I and our, our boy in our pram, walk to Florida Road, and we just visit all the coffee shops and say hi to all our friends. But now with that exercise window ending, 
I'll go to the coffee shops and they're not there anymore because they can exercise any time of day. I think more people became coffee exercisers in the last few months than ever before. It's like, no, no, I'm an athlete. I'm out here exercising with my coffee um, and my friends. I saw so many people in spandex and coffee. It was a little bit, you know, like as a cyclist, you, you go, okay, that makes sense because they're slipstreaming. But now you don't need to wear spandex for coffee but apparently it became a thing. Uh, and so there's so many levels. Um, and I know I'm making light of these things. There's some really serious things that are happening. We've got big questions about our economy. We've got big questions about our medical system, our health system. Is it going to be able to cope with what's coming? How are we going to ride out the season uh, for us? And, and how are we going to uh, make it as a nation? And, and for a lot of us, we're asking questions about how am I going to make this? How's my family going to make this? My kids haven't been able to socialize for so long and, and they're starting to show signs and symptoms of stress and anxiety. Like, how's that going to work out? How are we going to work out stuff within the context of our families and our nation and our neighborhoods and our communities? And, and how are we going to be able to walk through all of this? And it just feels like the surge of waves are just coming at us at a rate of knots. And some of us are just wanting to bury our head. And um, the question is, is where's God in these seasons? Is there anything in Scripture that helps us make sense of these things? Is there anything from God that helps us uh, move forward in this space? And how do we make sense of it? That's essentially what I'm asking. And here's the thing, is that seasons of shaking in this world are inevitable. God's honest about that. He even says there are times when He will bring shaking to the earth, but it's shaking for a purpose. And the purpose is not survival. God has more for your heart and for your family and for your future than survival, than just making it through. God wants to reach into your life and give you something more meaningful than you've ever known and more wonderful. And that takes some faith and that takes some ability to look towards God and say, God, I need you to help me see what you're seeing. And I need you to give me your eyes so that I can approach this season of my life with your perspective. And the amazing thing is God's a father and he wants to walk you into the season ahead. He wants to bring you through as stronger than you went in. And that there's good reason to hope. Do not give up hope. And I'm going to read you a scripture from Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And we're going to read together here. And this is where God speaks about shaking. And he wants you to know that shaking, yes, it's inevitable, but there's a reason and there's a purpose. And when you grasp hold of that purpose, you can give yourself to the purpose. And the purpose is not survival. The purpose is, God, what do you want to accomplish in my life? And so this is what God says. Verse 26, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. You see, God said that he's going to shake the earth and the heavens. And the first time that God spoke and shook the earth was at Mount Sinai. Now the people of Israel had journeyed out of Egypt with a great miracle from God. This Red Sea had parted. They had come to Mount Sinai and Moses went up the mountain and God spoke from the mountain and the earth shook. I've been in a few 
tremors, earth tremors in my life. I lived in the Middle East for four years and uh, it's on this uh, massive fault line called the Syrian African Rift Valley, okay? You can look it up on Google or anything like that. Um, it's a big deal because that, you know, stuff moves and there's earthquakes and there were a number of times when literally I was sitting at my desk and all of a sudden the cabinet and my screen and everything started to shake uh, and you feel the earth shaking. And let me tell you, it's unnerving when you feel the earth shake. We can't depend on the earth and everything we have is built on the earth. And so when the earth shakes, it's unnerving. I got to spend a a few days, four or five days in Christchurch, probably about six months after the earthquakes there. uh, And I got to stay with a a minister and his wife and they had lived through the earthquakes of Christchurch. And we all know that there was a massive earthquake, one or two big ones. But you don't know this, that nearly every day the earth tremored and the earth shook. And they said that what happened at a nervous system in their their life is, is you never knew when the next big one was coming. And so your whole system was on edge. What happens when the foundation of your life shakes is that you are kind of set on edge because the thing you thought you could trust in is being moved. And God says, I won't just shake the earth, but I'm going to shake the heavens too. And then he says this, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. So there's the purpose, that the shakable things will be shaken so that you can find the unshakable things and that they will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, say with me, unshakable. I can't hear you because you're at home. Let us be thankful And please God by worshipping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Here's the purpose of shaking. When God brings a shaking in your life, you begin to discover what is shakeable so that you can find the unshakable one. And the response is deep reverence and awe. We give thanks to God. God, you are my unshakable one. You are the one that can never be shaken. And yes, everything in this earth and the heavens is going to be shaken, but you yourself are unshakable because no created thing, no uh, shakable thing can ever shake the unshakable one. And we've got to know where our heart finds its strength because if your heart finds its strength in something that's shakable, it's going to shake. But if your heart finds strength in the unshakable one, it will be steadfast and sturdy. And that's God's heart for you. He wants your life to be immovable and steadfast in Him. Why? Because the whole world is looking for something certain to build their life on. And we have the answer in His name is Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to go back now and, uh, and, and continue with that story I started with. And I told you about the season in our family when we went through a real shaking. But I want you to hear, not from me, but from my mom, because I had the perspective of a 16-year-old, but she had the perspective of a mother and a wife as she watched her family shake. And what did God accomplish in our family during that season? That's the question we're asking. Mom, thank you so much for being willing to share with us. And, you know, that season that I referred to earlier, that season when I was 16, um, I obviously have my perspective of it and I was a teenager at the time, but maybe just explain uh, our story as a family from your perspective of a wife and a mom. I think the um, interesting thing about shakeable seasons like ours, it didn't happen overnight. It was a long time in coming. And it came about partly because we had been 
pastoring a church working full-time uh, for 10 years. We had some unique challenges in the cross-cultural ministry space. We um, were obviously getting older. And then our three teenage sons was grappling with their own identities, sense of calling, faith, and just finding themselves. So if you put all those things together, it was a slow um, decline in a way as a family and just in the way we were coping with life. Okay, I mean, that's our family stories. What was it like for you and, and where did you find yourself and how did you deal with it? It was a very scary season for me in the sense that I didn't understand depression or burnout at all. So I had no background or knowledge related to that. So as our family, and particularly um, your dad, became more and more ill, I didn't understand it. So it became a frightening and unusual experience in that I didn't understand it. I didn't have any supportive relationships. I didn't know how to articulate it. And I didn't know how to seek help at the time. Okay. And I mean, in terms of dealing with it personally, like how did you grapple with God in that season? So my only outlet was going to God in prayer and spending time with Him. And because we had a small home and only one bathroom. And three boys. And three sons and many friends. I would um, get up at five in the morning, run a bath, um, get into the bath, and I would weep before God for my family. Um, at no, I can't say that I prayed. Mm. I just would cry out to God in desperation for my family and the fear that I felt in my heart. And then I would get out of the bath, dry my tears, get dressed, ready for work, take you and Ross to school, and I would carry on with my day, come home and care for my family. And that was my posture for about two years. Okay. Two years, that was my daily routine of just crying out to God, not in prayer, more rather in groanings, as I just trusted him for my family. I remember you saying once, you actually sharing the story with someone else, and you said it just felt like I was losing my family. 100%. That's how I felt. I felt I was losing my family, and I'd, my, the ignorance and just the lack of support, I just, the only place I could go to was to God. And what was the change for you, I mean, in your own relationship with God during that, the, those two years? For me, the, the wonderful thing is that although I'd been a Christian for a long time, uh, I found a new, deep, wonderful relationship with God. It was like it was the only soft place to land. Mm. And I understood his love for me and his love for my family. I knew that I could cry out to him with no words and he knew the pain of my heart. He knew everything about me. His grace, kindness, his goodness became real to me in a far deeper way. Mm. And because I had nowhere else to go, he became everything to me in that season. And it has been a, it, it was a wonderful experience for me in that it cemented my faith in a, in a far deeper way than prior to that. Okay, I mean, and the amazing thing is that not, God only didn't just get all of your life during that season, but he ended up working in all five of us, you know, uh, 
me, my brothers, and uh, well, I suppose your sons and uh, dad as well. So maybe just tell us a little bit of that, about that story from your perspective and when you saw some of the changes happening. Um, God sent us professional help. Uh, a, a lovely Christian psychologist mm. helped our family and that was important. So I became more, far more knowledgeable about burnouts and depression. And I have to commend your dad because he bravely and carefully worked through the pain that brought him to that place. Yeah. And his facing his pain is what trickled down to our three sons. And so in time, uh, you, Gary, mm -hmm. were getting up before uh, school in the morning, putting on your school uniform, and you would go to the bottom of the garden's garden to wait on God in prayer, just mm. like you'd seen your dad do. And a number of years later, mm. Grant, your elder brother, <laughs> stood in my small kitchen and he didn't have to say anything to me. I could see on his face that he'd made a commitment to Christ. And that commitment has lasted more than 20 years now. And Ross had already given his life to Christ as a preteen and he's been totally committed to God and mm. ministry since then. Mm. And so I thank God for his incredible kindness to our family. And I give him every glory. Mm. And for me, I had no hope in an outcome. But hope was in God, our, our Savior and God, our friend, God, mm. our everything. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. And in so many ways, I just feel so privileged to have that kind of mom who's got a deep faith and it's part of what she's given me as an inheritance. I'm so grateful for it. Um, but here's the, the point of this stuff is that human nature longs for certainty. We long for aspects of control. We long to know what we can put our trust in. God's made us that way. But the whole point is that when we go through seasons of shaking is that we actually come to know in a deeper way the unshakable one. That's the whole point of that. And it's only when things start to shake that you realize how much trust you have placed in something that is shakable. And really the fact that God wants to lead us to himself. And that's our steadfast hope. And so when we go through seasons of shaking, it's like our lives get stress tested. And I can think of so many aspects of my life which over the years have been stress tested. My finances have been stress tested and in that place I found that God was my provider. My health has been stress tested and I found that God was my healer. My friendship circle has been stress tested and I found that Jesus is my friend, that I can know him intimately, that he sees my life. And at so many levels that we go through this, sometimes it's even closer to home than that. It's at a work level. And our sense of competence is stress tested. And we go, actually, God's the one that's given me gifts and brings fruitfulness from my life. And maybe uh, it's your marriage. And that's a really intimate thing. And, and we all have hopes and desires and dreams for our marriage. And they, we go through the shaking and we, we start going, God, I need to trust you in this space. You're the one that holds this together. You're that third cord, the third strand that cannot be broken. I trust in you. Or maybe it's your own sense of niceness. I've been through seasons where I thought I was a pretty nice guy and I looked at myself and said, I'm a pretty decent person. And, and through a season and people giving me some feedback, I realized that there were aspects of real brokenness in my own life. 
that were affecting people around me. And that's a stress test thing and it's a shakeable thing and I trust it in my niceness, but actually I need to trust in who God is in me and his ability to minister grace and love through me. And some of the most personal spaces that I've experienced, a stress test in my life have been my ability to hear God. For me, it's so crucial. It's like, God, I can hear you and obey. And I've been through seasons where it's just like, I don't know if I can even hear God anymore. I don't know if I have it in me to keep obeying God. It just, I doubt, the, doubt his goodness or his ability to hold me. I, and I lost confidence in my ability to hear God and obey. And God says, yes, I'm the God that speaks and I am your righteousness. And even at really one of perhaps the most Crucial point for me is my sense of calling and destiny. And you find yourself in these seasons of life where you're just wondering, God, do you still have a plan for me? Do you have a good plan? Can you work out this mess to lead me to what you have for me? And if you've found yourself asking these sorts of questions, don't worry, lots of people have. And we're actually going to hear now about an Old Testament prophet, and he's a really a mighty man of faith, and he lived through one of the most extreme seasons in Israel's history, and he faithfully served God, and everything looked like it was going left, like going awry. His name is Jeremiah. And I've got a mate, Luto, and he's going to tell you a little bit about Jeremiah and the experience that he went through and what he learned in it. So I'm about to introduce you to a character called Jeremiah who goes through a tremendous amount of shaking. And the reason why I relate to Jeremiah so much is because I've been through a tremendous amount of shaking myself very recently. As some of you may know, uh, during lockdown, uh, I lost my father. And so we were sitting in the lounge one day in this very different new world when we got a phone call that he'd passed away. And just like that, I was being shaken. The thing about my relationship with my father is that it was great when we were younger. And over time, we'd just grown apart. And so recently, I'd come to a place where I was ready to start building that relationship again. And we'd started basically the, the footsteps going into that direction. And so I had hopes for my future. I had hoped that one day I can expose my dad to uh, a little bit of my lifestyle. I could introduce him to my world where maybe he could sit in an audience and watch me preach and be proud of me. I could show him the things I achieved in high school and sports and all the rest of that stuff. And in the future, he could help me work towards navigating marriage. He could one day play with my kids the way I'd seen him play with my nephew very recently. And in that one phone call, in that moment, that hope was removed from underneath my feet and I was shaken. The, the next three hours was just me sitting in a car, crying very, like, very much like how Jeremiah is about to lament as we're gonna see. And so Jeremiah is the prophet over Israel. And in this season, he's going through shaking because God had given him promises. God had painted him a future and a hope, something to look forward to. And right now Israel was in so much sin that God had handed them over to judgment and the Babylonians had conquered them. And in their conquering, they ruined everything. They destroyed the city where God said he would put his presence. The temple was gone. And so everything that had given Jeremiah a reason to hope was taken away. In the middle of this, he himself is taken into captivity. And then he writes this powerful uh, passage that I can so relate to. While I was sitting in the car crying out to God, so much of what he says is what my heart was saying. Peace has been stripped away from me, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. 
I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. So he's going through a tremendous amount of pain, uh, which like I say, I can relate with. And everything he'd pictured, the opposite of was happening. But he goes on to say this in this tremendous amount of shaking and chaos, he goes on to say this very powerful thing. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease and great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation to come from the Lord. And in that same way, in my situation, I took so much courage from the scripture that God is good, God is faithful, and he loves me tremendously. This didn't give me hope for just myself, but for my father's eternal salvation, for my family's future and my own. I can start to dream again, though I'm in the middle of some pain and though I've been shaken, I can hope for a future knowing that God has been good to me. God has been faithful to me. God has been loving me. And that one day I'll stand on the other side of this shaking and this pain and celebrate that once again, that God took me through so much and brought me to a better place. Church, we're in a season where we need to dare to hope. And we've got a hope in the goodness of God. And here's the point is that uh, Jeremiah says, I dare to hope when I remember. And so we need to practice remembering the goodness of God and his faithfulness and his unending love for us, that great is his faithfulness, that every morning we can see new mercies. And I just want to show you a, a practical way how I remember God's mercies in my life and, and just kind of build this practice of remembering in, into my daily life. So... I remember a time when Jesus Christ saved me. And every morning I open my eyes and I realize that there was a season when God opened my spiritual eyes. Paul says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And God opened my spiritual eyes and where I was blind, all of a sudden I could see. And I saw his goodness and I saw the salvation that was available to me in Jesus. And I grabbed hold of it and God grabbed hold of me and changed my life. And if God was that good to me, while I was running from him and rebellious towards him, how much more now will he freely give me all things. Every time I wake up and I look over at my wife, I see a sign of the goodness of God to me. The Bible says uh, in the book of Proverbs, uh, God says that uh, houses and an inheritance are from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord, that only God could give me such a prudent, wise wife as I have. My son, when I go through to him in the morning and I go through to his cot and uh, he opens his arms to me, um, I'm so blessed by that because God says that God has given us, he's blessed us with an inheritance of children. Children are an inheritance from the Lord. And the Bible also says that God says, out of the mouth of babes, I have ordained praise. And sometimes I hear my son babbling away in his cot or even crying. And I know that out of his mouth is coming praise to the living God because that's who God has made him to be all around me, my home the provision of God. I'm reminded about past seasons when I, I thought I was lost and I thought that uh, provision was gone and I never thought I'd ever be able to buy a home and all these things and God's faithfulness has brought me to this point in my life. I can remember a season of great shaking when I was 16 years old and it felt like everything was falling apart and it turned out to be the catalyst for the greatest spiritual revival in our family that I came to faith, not the faith of my parents, but my own personal faith. I encountered God for the first time for myself. My older brother came to his own personal faith while studying philosophy at university, Nuchal. 
in that space where all of these pressures seem to be against God, in that space, God's goodness found him and changed his life. My younger brother came to his own personal faith. My dad experienced deep healing in his heart from childhood pain. And my mom found the unshakable one. The greatest season of shaking became the season of greatest blessing. And sometimes I wonder, where would I be? Where would I be or where would our family be if we never went through that season of shaking? Maybe I would never have come to Jesus. Or maybe it would have been another 5, 10, 20 years before I found Jesus. But through that season of shaking, what I thought was the worst season of my life, God turned to be the most fruitful season of our lives as a family. And all I'm saying is you might be in the middle of a wonderful, fruitful season for you. Remember His goodness. And I want to ask you this question. In two years' time, when you look back at the season, What are you going to have hoped to achieve? What would you have hoped would happen? That you merely survived it, that you got through it, or that in the season of great shaking, you found the unshakable one and he gave you something more sturdy, more steadfast to build your life on and you are utterly different because God is the unshakable one and he wants to reach into your life and help you build your life on that which will never shake on him. 1 Peter says that we need to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, as a church, we need to be ready to give reasons for the hope that we have. We need to carry God's hope and we need to share it to a world around us because the world is desperate for hope and we carry the God of all hope within us. There's hope for you. There's hope for your season. There's hope for your situation. God can turn it around and he can bring you to the place of resignation where we realize, man, I was building my life on that which is shakable. But in the midst of the shaking, I found the unshakable one. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. He said that I am persuaded that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor our worries for today or our fears for tomorrow. Indeed, the powers of hell cannot separate us from God's love. Nothing in all of creation, he writes, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. All of creation is the shakable things and nothing that can shake will ever be able to shake the unshakable one. He made the created order and he grips your life and he carries your life and he holds your life. You are certain, you are steadfast. He's carrying you into the season. He has you in the palm of your hand. Jesus says, I have you in the palm of my hand. In fact, the Father has you in the palm of his hand. No one, nothing can snatch you from his hand. Nothing is greater than the Father. This recession cannot snatch you from the Father's hand. This downturn in the economy, this pandemic or epidemic, the changes in the world, nothing can ever be able to separate us from the love of God. No one will ever snatch us from the Father's hand. He holds us. He is the unshakable one. Place your life in His hands. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You that though all heaven and all earth may shake, you are the unshakable one. We find our sense of security and our hope in you. Hold us in the palm of your hand, Lord God. Help us to remember your goodness to us. 
And Father God, I pray for everyone who's listening or watching this. I pray, God, that as they place their trust in you, as they give themselves to remembering your goodness, that something inside of them becomes steel because it's, it's set on the unshakable God that will never leave them, that will never forsake them, that will never let them down. Your story will be made famous. Your kingdom comes. Your will will be done in our earth and in our hearts and our lives. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. May we know Your love. May we know Your unshakable nature. In Jesus' name, amen.